Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast brought to you by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I am joined by your host for today's podcast, Jill. Jill, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So do you want to give our listeners just a, a little clue in, in case they didn't look at the actual name of this episode, what you guys discussed today? Sure. We talked some nonfiction titles, specifically women's studies, feminist type titles, and then spent a lot of time talking about true crime. Yes, you did. And, <laughs> and I want to say, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, when I think nonfiction, my brain always goes to autobiography and biography. For some reason, I forget that nonfiction covers so many more subgenres. So these weren't talked about in the podcast, but I had just gotten done listening to a few audiobooks that I wanted to recommend really quickly. Sure. Um, for me, I love listening to comedians do their own audiobooks because I feel like it's like getting a 12-hour stand-up comedy album for free. Um, so if you are a fan of kind of nerd comedy culture, Felicia Day's You're Never Weird on the Internet Almost is fantastic. I just re-listened to that. Um, and then Billy Crystal's 700 Sundays, who I adore, and Steve Martin's Born Standing Up. Those are all really good, completely unrelated to this episode. They're nonfiction. Um, so they're not, yeah, they're nonfiction, so they fall on that. <laughs> like I said, I, I always think of autobiography and biography, but you guys spend a lot of time talking about true crime and some really, really great genres. Um, you want to tell everyone who you were joined with today or joined by today? Yes. Um, Rachel mm-hmm. Kay, who they have heard before. Yes. And then we also had Cindy. It was her first time on the podcast. Yeah, and I was really excited to hear Cindy. She is... She's so super knowledgeable. She, like, she's uh, like... <laughs> she knows so much about books and she's worked in libraries for a really long time. Yes. And just hearing her talk about books is absolutely fascinating. So I really enjoyed that. I, I hope she'll come back. I assume she will. I think she will. I hope so, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we won't keep you guys waiting anymore. I think you'll really, really enjoy this pretty fascinating conversation. So um, thanks for talking about all of these true crime titles and these, these feminist books. They're all really fantastic. And anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? Just if they have any of their own, you know, personal recommendations that fit the categories, then feel free to reach out to us. You can email us directly at feedback at overdrive.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Yes, you can. All right, everyone, we'll enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. And welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. I'm your host, Jill. And with me today, I have Rachel and Cindy. Hello, ladies. Hi. How are you guys doing today? I'm good today. You good? Yeah, Yeah, it's spring. It Mm -hmm. is spring. Spring. We are also in the middle of Big Library Read, Mm -hmm. which is our big online global ebook club and our pick is american sniper i know rachel that you are a big fan of this book i was yeah i was really really excited when even the first voting round came out because we got to we let the libraries pick 
which one they wanted to do this time. And when I saw that that was on the list, I got incredibly excited and immediately started thinking about how awesome it would be to have a global book club for this. And then when that one won, I was even more excited. I read the book for the first time shortly after it came out. Somebody actually got it for me as a gift for Christmas. (laughs) I think like the year it came out. And it was the first kind of military type book like that that I had read. You know, I'd always kind of been more into fiction and, you know, more true crime type stuff, but somebody got me that. And it really kind of opened up a whole world of books for me to read. I read a lot of other similar books to it later, like the Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell is another one that I really liked that also got made into Mm -hmm. a movie. And just those stories really kind of resonate, I think, with me. Personally, because I know a lot of people that have fought in the Iraq War and a lot of people that have gone through those experiences in my family and friend circle as well. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to read it if you haven't. And if you've seen the movie, it's definitely worth reading as well. So what this means for anybody out there listening is if you go to your local library, you should be able to get a copy of this ebook Because the deal is there's always in, no Mm -hmm. way. Um, and then we did a podcast with, we did with the this. author's wife, too. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, I actually, I listened to her <clears throat> audiobook, because I usually listen to nonfiction audio, actually, when I'm at work, because I find it easier to concentrate on those stories as opposed to getting lost in the fiction right. sometimes. Yeah. But I was actually listening to her audiobook one day when I was working from home, and it was a really good thing that I was working from home because I was crying. Oh, my gosh. Pretty heavily. Like, I don't think a book has ever made me cry that much. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not saying, that's not negative. At no, all. <laughs> no, I totally, no, I totally understand. Like, that. I was so moved by that book. Yeah. So that's American Wife. Yeah, that's American Taya Wife by Kyle. Taya Kyle. Mm-hmm. All right. I would, I would highly recommend both. It's good. Yeah. It's good. So, yeah, so if your library is participating in the big library, you should definitely go check out American Sniper. And that's a good book to introduce this episode with because we are talking nonfiction. We haven't really done nonfiction on the podcast too much, and we're all big nonfiction readers here in the room. So um, what's everybody been reading recently? Yeah, I think I know I mentioned before about me listening to audiobooks. (laughs) That's almost exclusively how I read nonfiction, as I love the audiobooks for this this genre. And the few that I just finished listening to just a couple days ago, I finished um, Rosemary, the Hidden Kennedy Daughter by Cl- Kate Clifford Larson. And that's about JFK's sister, Rosemary, who was you know, very controversial and mm-hmm. born with some mental health issues, what exactly they were, nobody knows. But she ended up getting a lobotomy and then just kind of... Going away. Yeah, they just kind of put her in a home. And I know they talk about how, you know, the family didn't see her. Nobody really knew where she was. And it's just the whole account of her life, you know, from the time she was born. And even before that, there was a lot of history just about the Kennedys in general that I Hmm. didn't know. So it was really fascinating and frightening. Yeah. (laughs) I've had had my eye on that book. Yeah. It had been on my list for a while, but when it actually came... There was a kind of a long wait list at my library for it, so yeah, it now just became available, and I was really excited. So it was really interesting because it's not only about Rosemary, but more about kind of the progression of mental health right. in America. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the Kennedy support mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. Yeah, they even talked about that, how that was what Programs, got them into yeah. the mental health programs yeah. later in life and how they still do. Well, I, I read um, 
a book that I enjoyed a lot called The Badass Librarians of Timbuktu, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> is a great title. title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was a library reads pick this <clears throat> month, so that one's been on yeah. my list. Actually, it's not out until April 19th, mm. just so you know. Um, we were lucky enough to get an advanced reading mm-hmm. copy. So Timbuktu, which in case you're vague on the subject, is in West Africa. It's in the country of Mali. Um, has a long history as being a center for Islamic scholars. Mm. And people kept manuscripts that were written by these scholars in their homes for centuries, usually tucked away in a trunk or something. And they, um, the weather, luckily, was dry and hot, and they were preserved fairly well, but they were their soul that they were becoming deteriorating. They were deteriorating. And so this young uh, man named Abdul Kader Haidara decided um, that he needed to make sure that they were preserved. So he he talked the government into building a library center where they could take these manuscripts and preserve them. And then he had to talk each family into letting the library take them and preserve them mm. on loan. So that's that's really the first part of the book. The second part of the book is more of a thriller because what happens is Al-Qaeda is invading Mali. Oh. And they know that if they find these manuscripts, they will destroy them. Right. Oh. So uh, he uh, re- uh, recruits a bunch of uh, young people to help him uh, sneak these manuscripts out of the country, one trunk at a time. And there are about 350,000 manuscripts. Wow. So it's an amazing story, It's and I really enjoy yeah, it a lot. Yeah, that sounds really good. It does sound good. Yeah, I listened to a really funny audiobook a couple weeks ago that I he enjoyed very much. It was called uh, Attempting Normal, and it was by Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of his podcast. I've been listening to it for years, and then he has a TV show, and I've seen some of his. My husband's really into his stand-up comedy, so I kind of have been lovingly agreed to watch it at right. first and didn't realize how much I would love it. So his book was you know, really funny, just kind of about his rise in comedy and just some funny anecdotes. And if you're looking for kind of a funny, kind of easy breezy, listen, I would recommend that one for sure. I also read one recently that I know you've read, Mm -hmm. Sue Klebold's A Mother's Reckoning. Mm -hmm. Sue Klebold was the mother of Dylan Klebold, who was one of the two killers at Columbine High School. And it's basically, she, she really hadn't even given an interview to anyone since this happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and she finally wrote the book based on journals that she kept at the time because she was totally falling apart. Mm-hmm. And luckily, she said she wrote the journals because she couldn't remember Never. anything that happened. But her her reason behind the book was to try to figure out what did she miss. She had no idea mm-hmm. that her son was disturbed mm-hmm. like this. And I don't know that she even really finds an answer. I guess the no. one takeaway I had was, besides um, doing a lot of research and talking to people, she found that usually when there's a, a duo of killers like this, one of them is a sociopath or psychopath, yeah. and the other is one. someone who's very depressed and just wants to die. Mm-hmm. And her son was the depressive one. Yeah. So that was a pretty hard book to get through. Yeah, I would agree. I had a very hard time with that one as well. I enjoyed it and thought it was very powerful, and I'm glad that I read it. But yeah, I kept I kept kind of waiting throughout the book because I, you know, she talked about she wanted to look and see what she missed, you know, like you said, and what happened. And then even at the end, there's no closure. There's no closure. Yeah. yeah. 
never yeah. really found yeah. out. And then, you, like, you really think about it. Like, there were times where she was like, yeah, you know, there was a one day he came home and he was really angry and sad and just ran into his room. Maybe I should have gone in to talk to him. But it's yeah, like, that's every, every teenager. <laughs> like, I think that's the challenge. Yeah. yeah. Every teenager exhibits behavior yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And there was some bullying in the high school, but that didn't seem to be it either. Uh, no. There really was no answer. Yeah. Except that her son wanted to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's, that's, you're not going to get an answer for that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I read another hard one too um, by Joanna Connors called I Will Find You. A reporter investigates the life of the man who raped her. And that one will be published April 5th. So it's very soon. Um, but when she was 30, she was a reporter here in Cleveland for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And she was going out um, to a campus for an interview, and she was running late. By the time she got to the theater, it was empty. And then she was raped at knife point by a stranger. And she totally repressed it for decades, Um, didn't talk about it ever, until her own daughter was old enough to go to college, and then she felt Uh, like she had to tell her mm -hmm, so that she would protect herself. And then it brought all this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And she um, used her reporting skills to talk to her rapist's family and do a lot of research and try to figure out, you know, what causes this. And it turns out he had a horrible life himself, an abusive father um, and poverty. And so the really interesting thing is she got pretty close to his family. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they couldn't understand what how this happened either. And I guess just... Um, comparing this book and the last one we were talking about, you often don't know and never will find out what's going through somebody's head. Yeah. 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 But the book is was hard at the very beginning when she was talking about her rape, but after that, it was easier going and it's uh, gripping. And it, it received a couple of starred reviews, which in the library field is mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I um, am currently reading All the Single Ladies. Um, unmarried women and the rise of an independent nation. It's um, it's interesting being a thirty-five-year-old unmarried woman in America, <laughs> like just um, understanding and and just how marriage as a concept has changed as women have gained more independence in their selves and in the workforce, and how that has changed. Um, yeah, marriage is like a social construct in America, considering, you know, like, grandparents were getting married in their early 20s mm-hmm. um, and earlier before that. So it's 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 a lot of research, and but it's definitely something I connect with on a, on a personal level, kind of understanding all of that stuff. Yeah, I've read a lot about that one. That one's been pretty yeah, big in the news yeah. and the media and all over the place, and I think it <clears throat> sounded very interesting. It kind of I wonder if it would be similar to, did you read the Modern Romance, the Aziz Ansari book? Yes, Yeah, because even when I was reading that, which was hilarious, I would highly recommend that one as well, but, you know, they talk about how, you know, back in the 50s, you married the person that lived on your block right. because you couldn't, just, couldn't. That was just what just you did. Yeah. You know, yeah, there was no access to anyone else right. and just kind of how it's kind of grown, you know, then it got to be like, 
you married the person on your bus route. You right. married the person no. that you like, <laughs> met at work. That you met at work. Yeah. And <laughs> now, you know, with the internet, you could meet somebody on the internet that, you know, lives in Timbuktu and that wind up right. marrying right. them. There's just so yeah. many choices and so much out there. And it's completely and I think, different. And like, so like, I think that piling on that, yeah, holding off on marriage because mm-hmm. there are more options and, and you don't have to get married by a certain age. Yeah. Speaking of marriage, that reminds me of another book that I just read, um, which has information about the marriage between um, Simone de Beauvoir and uh, Sartre, Mm -hmm. which was totally... Uh, unconventional. I was at the I, at the Existentialist Cafe. Yeah, yeah I have yeah. an arc of that sitting. I do too. <laughs> it's great. I have to highly recommend it okay. because speaking of starred reviews, this one got all four. Yeah, mm-hmm. of yeah the, I saw of that. Mm-hmm. Ones, mm-hmm. Let me pick it up. Plus a New York Times uh, mm-hmm. review that was really good too. Um, but I love the subtitle too. At the Existentialist Cafe, freedom, being, and apricot cocktails with Jean-Paul Sartre, Simone de Beauvoir. Albert Camus, Martin Heidegger, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, and others. But what it really, oh man, it's hard to describe. It's by Sarah Bakewell. um, And the thing is, she's a philosopher herself and really understands existentialism. Mm -hmm. But um, she tells the story of the most famous existentialists and weaves all their life stories together because they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she also talks about what they thought of each other's theories. Oh, that's interesting. And on top of that, uh, since she's a philosopher herself, she explains the theories as she goes. So you're getting like biography and uh, almost like memoir and uh, an explanation of what existentialism, uh, existentialism is, which... Is all about individuals living free lives um, and choosing their own futures. And so Bakewell says that she believes that it has a lot to offer us right now when we have a world grappling with privacy issues and Mm -hmm. religious and ideological conflict and so on. But I really, really enjoyed it. And you'll learn a lot too, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. She talks about their lives in the cafe. Yeah. I took a bunch of existentialist classes in college, so I'm I'm very much looking oh, forward to good. that one. Yeah. Really yeah, they all like they all kind of believe the same philosophical core, but each has their own sort of mm-hmm. interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've often you know wondered too, like would they did they feed off each I'm sure they fed they off did. each other a lot. Like would one have existed without the other? But then the other thing that's really interesting is that it was during the time of Hitler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hitler's rise to power, and you know, some of them went with him, and others right. uh, thought he was a buffoon and just laughed at him. And uh, so, there's a lesson there too, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, nonfiction is a pretty broad category. <laughs> you mm-hmm. cover a lot of yeah. books, so I think, and luckily, we all seem to have very similar interests in terms of the types of of nonfiction that we read. So. For this, we're just going to cover a couple of um, subgenres of nonfiction, and I'm sure there'll be future episodes where we where we cover um, more of them. But I know that one of the first ones, um, and we talked about actually a couple of the books we talked about earlier, fits into it. But basically, feminist studies and, and women's studies and mm-hmm. theories like that. Um, 
So you, I know Rachel read Bad Feminist. And yes. That's one of my all-time favorite it's books, It's so honestly. good. It's mm-hmm. so good. I actually, I listen, I would highly recommend the audio book. The audio book? That, that is how I, that's <laughs> yes. how I read it, too, is the audio book. Yes. Yeah, that was one. I remember listening to it in my car, and I was driving home from... Just like, I think I was driving home from my parents' house, and I took like the longest route possible to get home. Like, it's normally like a half hour drive, but I ended up just taking the back roads just so I could keep (laughs) listening to it. And then I get home like two hours later, my husband's like, where were you? Like, I thought you were on your way home. I was like, I was. (laughs) I just took the long way so I could listen to it. But yeah, that was, you know, I thought a phenomenal book just about... You know, the ways that, you know, it has some humor in it, obviously, about, you know, how Roxanne is, claims to be, you know, there's, just can be a bad feminist at yes. times, and how there's a lot of pressure on women to, you know, that can consider themselves feminist. There's so many different areas that, you know, you need to be focused on, and so many things that you're supposed to feel. But, you know, like, in, you can be a feminist and love the color pink. Right. You know, that's not bad. No. It's okay. You just kind of have to own it. Yes. And I really appreciated hearing that. Agreed. <laughs> I know. feminist myself. Yeah, we get a lot of mixed messages sometimes mm-hmm. on the topic of feminism and what that means, and it's hard to define it for yourself. So having somebody else be like, nope, that's okay. Yeah. yeah and sometimes it's, as the ex- existentialists would say, mm-hmm. it's it's the little experiences that you have. I'm, I remember them. Nora Ephron wrote a book years ago called Heartburn, I think mm-hmm. it was. There's a little to part, that audio book. <laughs> there's a little part in there where um, her husband, Carl Bernstein, at the mm-hmm. time, opened the refrigerator and said, nobody washed the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, so there are little things that happen when you, you realize, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, so I know there was kind of a, it seems like there were a lot of books about feminism that have been coming out recently, too, which yes. I loved. And another one that came out that was sort of, sim- I wouldn't say similar to that, but had a lot of the same kind of undertones was Lena Dunham's book, mm-hmm. Not That Kind of Girl. It kind of talks about her experience being, you know, a feminist in Hollywood right. and trying to come up and, you know, make her own way and the things that she had to deal with. And it's kind of filled with, you know, some funny anecdotes, but then there's also, you know, like with Roxanne Gay's book, there's some, you know, really serious things that make you think a lot. And Yeah, I had started watching Girls um, and then read Not That Kind of Girl, and there are moments, like, I don't think mm-hmm. I realized how much of her character on Girls, like, some of the mm-hmm. life experiences mm-hmm. um, in her book are, are experienced by her character that oh, kind yeah. of made me... I think um, it what makes me watch the show in a, a little different way. Mm-hmm. I would be reading that. I'm like, wait, I just saw that on that one episode. Oh, <laughs> like that really happened. Okay. Um, but yeah, she covers a lot of, and she deals with some mental health yeah, a lot stuff of mental as well. Health stuff. Yeah, I, that one, I read that one, right? I think I read that before it came out. I think I was able to get an arc for that one. Cause I kind of, I've been following Lena Dunham's career for a long time because I had some friends, because she went to Oberlin mm-hmm. College, which is about, you know, a half hour from where we're sitting right now, right. and her and I are about the same age, so I had some friends that actually went to college oh, with her, okay. so I remember watching her first short film that came out, and when I heard about girls coming out, I was really excited, and I know her, her book in general had gotten a lot of buzz, because she got, you know, one of the 
largest advances mm-hmm. in recent years, which was kind of a you know a triumph for you yes. know, a young, young woman getting a three million dollar advance for a book. Right. So another really popular um, subgenre of nonfiction <clears throat> would be true crime books. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the true crime books. I'm yeah. Every yeah. every librarian knows the three sixty four in Dewey. That's where mm-hmm. they're, and it's the books are all shabby and tattered. They are, yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, does anybody have any favorites that? Um, yeah, there's just you know, there's always the you know the greats, if you will. Like if you're looking to get into true crime. In Cold Blood is fabulous. Yes. Anything by Anne Rule. The Stranger Beside Me. The Stranger Me. Beside Me. Yeah. Is, which, which is incredible oof. since she was a colleague of Ted uh-huh. Bundy, and that's how she got her start yeah. in writing true crime. Yeah, so those ones are great. And uh, a few years ago, I read this book called The Good Nurse by Charles Graber. Did you guys oh, read that no, one? I don't but think I remember. So. No, it was about this. This man who was a nurse, and they kind of, they, his nickname was the Angel of Death because he would oh. go around essentially murdering his yes. patients. But they were all people that were, you know, elderly and had some, you know, maybe chronic diseases. But yeah, it, there was it kind of toes that fine line of like mercy killings. Right. Yes, like that's what he thought he was doing. But really, it was, you know, flat-out murder. Right. Because it was, there were people, like, you know, an old lady that had broken her hip. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to put her out of her misery. You know, she very easily could have recovered from stuff right. like that. Right, So it kind of talks about his his run. And he was a nurse for, he was doing this for 16 years what? across nine different hospitals from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. Oh, and man. he would, because, I mean, he was, you know, stealing the... Fentanyl, I think he was using. I'm not, I'm not a nurse, so the, right. <laughs> the drug names are escaping me at the moment. But whatever it was that he was using, it was like he would go to a hospital for six months, he'd be stealing the drugs. Somebody at the hospital would realize that the drugs were missing and he would just quit before he could get caught. And then he would just go to another place and go to another place. And he went from nursing home to hospital. Oh, and then he eventually got caught in 2007. And it reminded me a lot of. In Cold Blood, just mm-hmm. like kind of the, the direct way <laughs> yes. it was written and kind of talking about how, you know, he thought he was doing the right thing. Right. Which yeah. was the most frightening aspect of it. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm not really a true crime reader, except I read the best known mm-hmm. one, so mm-hmm. I read In Cold Blood and The Stranger Beside Me. Um, and Helter Skelter by Vincent mm-hmm. yes. is a big one, too, about the, the Manson family mm-hmm. killings. Yeah, um, he's definitely another one I've read. The Devil in the White City, mm-hmm. Eric Larson, yes. which is great. Yeah. So good. A, a serial killer at the Chicago's World's mm-hmm. Fair in 1893. There's actually a new one coming on April 5th called The Midnight Assassin, mm-hmm. Panic Scandal in the Hunt for America's First Serial Killer. And that was uh, in 1885 in Austin, Texas. Uh, a man was hacking up women. It was horrifying. Mm. In fact, in 1888, when Jack the Ripper was killing in London, one of the theories was that this Austin killer had gone across the ocean and started killing in London. So it was mm-hmm. a Jack the Ripper story. Oh, okay. Oh, no. And that's coming out very soon. I have to keep my eye on that one. One that I read recently that I thought was really interesting <laughs> It's called Pretty Little Killers by 
Dylan oh, yeah. Barry. Yeah. Um, and that one was about this high school student who got murdered in West Virginia a few years ago, and it was her her group of friends that actually murdered her. Wow. And they basically, like, their friends got caught, basically, because they were tweeting about it. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just dumb. <laughs> I know, like, and yeah. it was just kind of this, but, it, like, even, like, the way they were talking about it, like, it was... Dumb. Was it real to them or something? Yeah, like, just there, it was almost just like they were so desensitized by so much stuff. Yeah. And it was, the the fact that they got caught was because of, you know, social media. So yeah. there was kind of a couple, huh. you know, variables to that book, you know, just what led to the murder in general, and then just how social media is yeah. can be used yeah. to solve yeah. crimes these days. That's true. That's true. So I thought that was really interesting. And then I know I and this is a terrible name for these types of books, <laughs> but I, I like to call them like the kidnapped books. You know, any sort of account of somebody, you know, anybody that was held hostage right. or abducted, mm-hmm. like uh, Elizabeth Smart's mm-hmm. book yeah. is one yeah. of a true crime book that She's taken right out of her bedroom. Taken out of her bedroom. And then J.C. Dugard, who was held captive for, you know, what was it, 16 16 years? 16 years. And how she escaped. And then, you know, Michelle Knight and Amanda Berry and Gina DeJesus, their stories. I don't know what it is, but anytime a book like that comes out, I think one of the reasons that people love true crime so much is because it's that whole, like, this could happen to you. It's kind of like your worst fears realized yeah i think in a lot of ways like that's kind of like how people you, i think like when you read suspense and you get mm-hmm. that adrenaline rush because you are yeah. you're reading this and you're like this could totally have been me mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think that's so i don't read true crime and i don't read horror either because i don't like oh, that that, adrenaline yeah. rush. <laughs> that could be why <laughs> no, some people hate it but that's, that's true. definitely i don't like roller coasters either yeah <laughs> That makes sense. I do. Mm-hmm. It's like a bit of an adrenaline yeah, rush reading definitely. the true mm-hmm. crime books. Yeah, and there's, I think there's also an aspect of it that, you know, I, after I read J.C. Dugard's memoir, I remember thinking, like, the next time I hear somebody complain about their life, I'm going to give them a copy of this book. You know, yeah. like, it puts a lot of things in perspective. perspective. You know, like, about how, you know, even, like, for that day, if you're having a bad day, go read one of those books. Yes. Could be a lot worse. Could be a lot Could worse. Could be a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. I remember one of the first true crime books I ever read, I think I was in like middle school and I was mm-hmm. really into like all those detective and legal thrillers, um, T V shows. And my dad gave me Fatal Vision by Joe oh. McGinnis. Yeah. I totally forgot about this until just now. But I loved it because I remember in the opening, um, like right past the title page, there was a drawing of the crime scene with like all the evidence and Mm -hmm. it was sort of like playing along kind of because you would like go back and they'd show Mm -hmm. the evidence markers and as you're reading this book and trying to figure out what's going on and yeah yeah and that reminds me he i think he's the reporter who rented the house next to sarah palin's when he oh, was possibly. writing, when he was going to write a, <laughs> a book about her family, and it makes you wonder kind of what true crime writers are like. I know. Yeah, like, you kind of get in. He would do anything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get close to his subject. Yeah. yeah. I've been pretty excited and, you know, recently because true crime, true crime's kind of had a resurgence just in the media in general, you know, after everybody was talking about making a murderer a couple yes. months ago. And then, you know, last year everybody was talking about the jinx, about Robert Durst. I listened to two audiobooks about Robert Durst recently that were fascinating. Yeah. Serial podcast. There is a, we actually have a few books that related to the making a murderer. Um, show there is a book that was written years ago about his case in general and then one of the lawyers Dean Strang from that show also wrote a true crime type book mm-hmm. about a totally different case years ago this one was um, you know a completely different story but it was you know a, basically a true, true crime story that took place in Wisconsin but back in the okay. late 1800s mm-hmm. so it was a completely different take but just knowing that it was by that lawyer was what piqued my interest. So it's been all over the place, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes out. Yeah. Have you um, been watching the O.J. Simpson TV show? I have not. It's good. It's good. What is, yeah. I haven't, yeah. Uh, haven't been watching it? No. Nope. That's okay. Because it's based, it's based on, it's like sort of a book with the inspiration, and the author is one of their consultants for the TV show, but yeah. It's good okay. stuff. Check that. I don't really have TV, so I can't really watch TV. Understandable. <laughs> and Netflix. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we talked about nonfiction, but it's just such a broad thing. It's hard to talk about all of the books. Yeah. We missed a lot of great categories. We'll we have to did. come back. We will have to come back, for sure. But yeah, I'm, there's lots coming out that I'm super excited about. Um, first, speaking of Roxane Gay, it would be Hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes out this summer. I'm very interested to see her her take on the issues related to food and, and body image as a mm-hmm. as a woman. Um, that yeah. would be super excited. Yeah, there's another one coming out that's I think probably along the same vein, the Shrill Notes from a Loud Woman by Lindy West. Mm-hmm. And I know she's a very popular just feminist writer yeah. in general. I remember reading her work on Jezebel years ago and I'm, I don't know, I'm excited to read her. I think this is her memoir, okay. if I'm understanding it yeah. correctly. So I'm excited to hear her perspective and see what she has to say. There's a, there's a lot of good memoirs coming out that there I'm are. excited about. I know one of my favorite authors, Augustine Burroughs, has a new book coming out, mm-hmm. uh, I believe next week, actually, and it's called Lust and Wonder. And he's been one of my favorite authors, like I said, for... Years and years, I read Running with Scissors right when it came out when I was in college. And he hasn't had a new book out in a while, so yeah, I'm pretty that's excited. True. It's been quite a few years, and this one is about love. Oh. So he's had, you know, the, his past few books have all kind of had a specific topic, like Dry was about addiction. Oh, yeah. Right. One was about his father, and then now this one's about love. Love and lust, right? Yeah, Isn't love it? and lust, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear about the difference. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Moby, the musician, has a memoir coming out. I'm a big fan of the musical memoirs, which yes. have been popular in recent years, so I'm excited to see what his has to say. He's a pretty interesting person, yes. you know, outside of even being a musician, and yes. he's really into minimalist living like if you've ever seen pictures of any of his houses he just has a bed and that's the only thing that's in his bedroom and he always talks about that and he's a huge animal rights advocate and vegan and it should be an interesting read it's about you know how he came up as a 
you know, in the, you know, techno electronic right. music world, but I think there's going to be a lot of other stuff about his personal life that would be interesting to see. Mark Kurlansky has a new book coming out in May called Paper, and that brings up another category that I, I like to call micro-histories, where mm-hmm. there's a history of one thing. He, yes. wrote, he wrote Salt, which is really interesting to me because mm-hmm. there are salt mines under Lake Erie right, mm-hmm. right outside our door. Yeah. Um, but there's some other um, examples of that. Longitude by Davis Sobel, Zero by Charles Scythe, Mauve, a one-man invented a color that changed the world. Hmm. And my favorite, A Mind of Its Own, A Cultural History of the Penis. <laughs> hmm. But you could do a gigantic uh, display of books that are just about mm-hmm. one just thing. Just about one thing. Like a lot of Mary Roach's books are. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah I think she's got a book coming right. out in June right. as well. I can't remember which, what, the, what that topic is, though. Uh, I know I saw her name on a list. And I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be another one. I think one. I only looked through May, maybe. Mm-hmm. She's got some so. I, uh, I am looking forward to the um, Maximum Security Book Club. Oh, oh mm-hmm. yeah. As yeah. a former prison librarian, I'm <laughs> I always like reading about, uh, well, I like reading about prison, but I think, and having book club and, and reading literature within that particular population, the books that the inmates would choose, the true crime was very popular. Oh, I can imagine. They loved the true crime books, and but just their, um, not all of them were very elevated readers, so we had to keep a lot of low uh, books. And so I'm interested to see somebody else's experience from, from that situation and perspective mm-hmm. so that should be a good one yeah i know random house or penguin random house has a book about patty hearst coming out oh soon that is supposed to be kind of the definitive the definitive account of everything that happened that to happened her there. and her whole story so fits right in with your abduction yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and actually it's a you know get back to something else i read kind of recently there was this book called days of rage by Brian Burrow that I would highly recommend if you're into kind of if you're this is a good history one but also kind of uh, a little bit of true crime a little bit of social science and it's just basically about the kind of homegrown terrorist movements of oh, the 70s like okay. the Weathermen the Symbionese Liberation Army and the Black Liberation Army and there is a whole part about Patty Hearst in there <clears throat> and you know admittingly I didn't really know much about her before reading that other than just kind of, you know, the basics. the basics. And it got me really interested in her story, mm-hmm. so I'd been reading more about it, and now I'm excited to read a book just about that one. Here's one um, coming soon, and I think April 5th again, called The Rise of the Rocket Girls by Nathalia Holt. And that's about a little-known group of women mathematicians during the 1940s and 50s that... Uh, contributed to rocket science, hmm. um, and apparently they were so good at math they were known as human computers. Wow. They did it all with pencil and paper. Uh, but that's that sounds interesting. That sounds good. Most people hmm. never heard of it of the no. project at all. They yeah. worked for the uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Oh, hmm. I have no idea. Neither. <laughs> So many good books coming out. I know. I know. It just keeps growing and growing. I have a whole list, which maybe we can put up with the podcast for people to see. There's there's a lot. 
There's a baseball book called The Arm, which is about the billion-dollar industry between, behind uh, baseball pitchers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Leslie Stahl has a book called Becoming Grandma. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot. There are a lot. For sure. So we might have to We're come back. For probably running out of time, right? Okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, just start talking, and then you don't yeah. want to stop talking mm -hmm. because it's so much fun to talk about books. So we might have to do another episode in the future. So thank you, ladies, for coming on the podcast today. Of course. Fun. Fun. I hope you had fun. You did? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. It was fun I could talk about you. true crime all day. I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do, like, just true mm -hmm. crime one day. Yeah. That would be fun, actually. Yeah, it would. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and happy reading. Bye. 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 Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.